0: you know the Bible tells us I know you asked you to turn to Malachi three six so, so get that hold that for a second, but the Bible tells us in Psalm chapter number twenty four it says, "The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything means what everything it sure does it just means everything so what I'm talking about today is how Christians, how we need to have this willingness to rec- uh, recognize that really everything, everything, everything really belongs to God, and, uh, and that God, what he has done is he has entrusted his assets to us, because we are to manage the everything. That's what we're, we're called to do. We're to manage the everything and steward it, and and God also calls us to 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 use his assets to advance the gospel and to and, and that's one of the things that we're even doing today. We're using some of our assets, let's say some of our equipment and some of our some of our facilities and things like that to to launch prayer out and to and to assemble the people of God and things of that nature. But we're supposed to use our assets kinda of like we're going to be doing next Sunday morning out here uh, to launch the Cowtown Marathon. But we're to do that to advance the gospel, but also we we use God's assets to to provide for our families and to take care of our needs and to help other people. But see, God has this economic plan. He has this economic strategy, and it's laid out in the scriptures. And uh, I I know what it is. I utilize it, and I I know that it works. So today, my message title is called God's Economics. And so I'm taking a one-week pause from my series that I've been on for the past several weeks of getting... And so we're going to take a one-week pause. This is a a week that uh, is on our calendar once a year, and we talk about God's economics. So God's economics, I'll just be really clear with you, it starts with something called the tithe. It's where we take a tenth of what God has entrusted us, and we reinvest that through the local church. And we don't control it because it's his. So we give the 10th back to God and he blesses the other 90%. And really that's the core of what I'm talking about today. Now I learned this from my mother when I was five years old. And you guys have heard this story a million times, but it is it is so foundational to me because it just was drilled into my head at that moment when I was five years old and she sat down with me at our kitchen table in Montesano, Washington. And I actually it was in Cheney, Washington, not Santo. Cheney, Washington. We sat down there, and, and I, was, I was a kindergartner, and I was about to receive my first allowance, and my allowance was one quarter a week. Now, you might say that's nothing. Well, it was something back then. I've done the calculations on it, because, you know, you have these inflation calculators, and, of course, these days they have to update them like every single day, but, but uh, there's these inflation calculators, and so you can, you can punch a number in, and so I figured out... <coughs> Okay, back then, I would have had, uh, you know, the, I could have made like about a little over a dollar a month, but about $13 a year. But in today's currency, it would have been $100 a year that I would be getting at the age of five. Now, that's some pretty good income for a five-year-old, right? Well, it was big moment. Mom handed me the first quarter, and, and she says, now, this is God's. It's not yours. And you get to use it however you please, though. So she said, God wants you to be responsible for it. She said, God is going to bless it, but you need to give the tenth of it back to him. Now, we weren't into fractions yet. I mean, I'm sure, I'm positive I was in the advanced placement kindergarten class at the time. I'm quite sure of that. Um, but... Uh, Actually I, I know I wasn't. I definitely wasn't. But but I was intrigued by this and so what she did is she, she set the quarter out there but then she took the quarter back and then she, she gave me two dimes and five pennies. Now I don't. I was thinking as I put this up there. Some people are going to think this is the actual record of it that I took pictures of it with my iPhone back then. I didn't. Okay, this is. If you look closely, the dates are like 2014 on those coins. I I, I was, you know, that these are new. But but she said, now this is all God's. But the tenth of it is what you give back to God, and she she explained this is going to open the door for God to bless you. Now. In those days, what was I concerned about? I was concerned about candy and army men. I I really was. I was concerned about that because... I, I love those little plastic army men. Did any of you guys have those when, I, when you were kids? Oh, I love those, man. I would go, and and I would, I, they would get into fights, and I'd crush them and break them, and sometimes they would get caught in fires and burn and melt, and I'd have to buy new ones. I know I, I was just a little boy, and so I was always having to buy new army men because it was, it was so much fun having those army men. And, uh, but, but another thing that I love to buy with my, uh, some of the main candies I like to buy were Tootsie Rolls, Butterfingers, and Neckos. Do any of you guys like Neckos? Oh, I love Neckos. And if you don't like Neckos, great. You give me your Neckos. uh, In fact, uh, uh, Jake, why don't you bring me the Neckos up here? Now, I, oh, yeah. These are Neckos. These are Neckos. Now, in my childish mind, really, I thought that they called them Necko because they all looked like nickels. They kind of sound alike, and because it cost five cents to buy one of these. So I, that was how my childish mind worked. It, 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 it doesn't work that way anymore, and when I went over to Walgreens to buy, buy these, I discovered very quickly they don't cost five cents anymore, <laughs> not at all. But they're the same package, and they, they taste the same, because I, I opened a package to check it out. They taste exactly the same, and I even discovered that the, that the Necco candies are actually the same candies they use to make the Valentine Hearts. So if you like Valentine hearts, you like the Nekos, all right? So I do, and, and this is a, it's an acquired taste. And in fact, you have licorice in here that you don't have on the uh, in, in the Valentine hearts because that would be a black heart; it'd be really, really ugly like that. <laughs> but anyway, back back to this. I realized I could buy five Necos a week if I really wanted to. Now I'm telling you guys, that's huge for a kindergartner. I knew it may not be wise. I may want to get other things, but I could buy up to five. And, but then mom explained to me that principle that a tenth belongs to God. And so what I did, and, and, and I, this is, I, I started processing through this a little bit later because I continued hearing it in church. I thought, well, if I bought five Neckos, you know, how much of this would actually be God's? And how much do I get to hang out and keep my, on my own? So really, it would be taking one of these and breaking it in half— and half of it belongs to God. Now, I don't know how I would get it to God up there, but half of it would belong to God. And so so this little half belongs to God, but then all the rest I get to keep, I get to share, I get to store up, I get to put in my bank account, I get to hang out with, and the rest of this goes to God. So as a child, this made sense to me. Now, I'm going to go ahead and hand this back to you, but who who likes Neckos for real, real? See, See, there you go. Oh, there you go. Who, who likes Neckos over here? See? You got you to catch. Do you like Neckos over here? All right. Over here. Woo! Boom. Uh, your husband got it. He gets it. Who likes Neckos over here? Anybody like Neckos over here? Catch! Don't let it hit you in your head. There you go. And who would like the part that this other... It's a ha- okay, it's a, I'll let you do that so we don't have Neckos flying through there. This is God's. So... But, but I'll go ahead and let you take this back here. But that's a, just a simple illustration that I used as a child that helped me. Now, really, I was just thinking this is an incredible deal. So I started tithing at the age of five, and I'll be honest with you, I've never stopped tithing since. I, I continue to tithe. I continue to work God's economy because God's economics actually works brilliantly. So, I'm going to do something with you here. I'm going to ask you some rapid-fire questions, some really rapid-fire questions. I'm going to ask you to respond back, uh, respond back out loud. Please know there are no trick questions. I'm not going to try to put you into a corner or make you say something that's wrong or weird, but I want you just to respond back out loud because this is part of our learning process here for God's economics. So, yes, the answers are yes or no. Yes or no. should we save money for retirement? Should we be generous with, generous toward others with our income? Yes. Should we have an emergency fund? Yes. Should we pay off our credit cards monthly? Yes. <laughs> Should we have a budget? Yes. Should we avoid debt? Yes. Should we tithe? Yes. Now, if I were to re-ask each one of those questions, do you... There would be some, like, scattered answers in the, in the place, and I'm not going to do that, but I think that's, that's good because the reason is I don't even have to do any teaching because those are all the principles of God's economics right there because they're actually built into our hearts, and we know the right answers, but why is it that we struggle to do these things? In fact, as I went through the list, some of them you point out, like, yes, but I really need to start doing that. Yes, but I really need to start doing that. The should we? Yes. Do I? Ugh. Now, our challenge, again, is that we know the principles. These principles are already in the Scriptures. But in the deepest place of our heart, what happens is we begin to integrate something called logic. And I understand about logic. We tell ourselves, well, I can't afford to do all of these things. Yet on the other hand, you know that the scriptures say that God calls us to live by faith. In fact, that's a foundational message throughout the Bible. In fact, fact, four times in the Bible it says the just will live by faith. So it's wise basically, wisdom is to remember that it does not say in the Bible, the just shall live by logic. God's kingdom is a paradox. And the paradox of it is what's on the screens is often the opposite of our logic. So foundational principle here, number one, God is illogical. Yeah, he is. That's that's, that's not saying anything bad about it. It's true. And he's probably laughing right now going, yeah, that's right. That's right. Right. Because his ways are not our ways. The problem, though, with us educated American city folks is we keep trying to apply logic to every single situation that we're in, and, and, and then it ends up causing us to be empty and faithless, and our logic causes us to chase after some things that may satisfy us, and, and so we do. So what we do is we pursue a lot of different things. We pursue wealth, we pursue occupational fulfillment, we pursue uh, position, rank, we pursue, we pursue certain types of attire or friendship networks. We pursue a, a certain location that we want for our apartment, condo, or house. We pursue adventure and adrenaline. And, and I'll just say, none of those things are evil. That's the, I'm not saying any of that's evil. But the sole pursuit of things of that nature, what happens is it leaves us empty because the satisfaction is temporary. Now, please understand, I will never ask you to check your brains at the door and empty your brains out. Now I expect you to be educated. I expect you to use your mind here. But our challenge, especially in our culture, is we tend to overthink just about everything. And what happens is when we overthink, it leaves us empty and it often leaves us faithless. Now, Let's be honest. At, the, at our very core, at the very core of our being, we are—we're um, simply lost indi- individuals, and we're searching for something, and we're toiling for something to 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 uh, hold on to, to latch on to, to something that's real, something that's tangible, because the world has let us down again and again and again and again. And it's unfortunate, even in this city, especially in this, in the city, because. Uh, I've seen this here, pastoring here for a while now, is that a lot of people will reach the highest a pinnacle that they can reach in the metroplex here and they say now if I'm going to go to the next level I have to go to an even bigger metropolitan area and so I'm going to and that, that leaves you really three well four in North America but we're you know that's Mexico City but most people don't want to go down there to, to the, reach the next pinnacle but the, the other three next biggest metropolitan areas in the United States is Chicago, Los Angeles and New York and the problem is I just want to tell you you're a Texan and you're going to freeze in Chicago alright let's just, just let's get that we're gonna clear all right and the other one is you're not going to be able to find the kind of housing that you have here in LA or New York so good luck with that all right but what happens is there's this pursuit of perceived success and you keep got to keep pushing got to keep moving up but that type of pursuit is futile in fact Solomon even said so he had reached the pinnacle of success in his life and he declared it is all empty Without faith. So I want to point you to the faith part. And there's nothing wrong with having things or pursuing things, but the faith element is critical. Solomon himself, the wisest man who walked on this earth next to Jesus Christ, declared that. Now, As you're here today, I want you to understand everything happens for a reason. We believe that. You believe that. So that means you're here for a reason. In fact, we even prayed a few minutes ago. God, speak to my heart. So what is God going to say to you? And I think God's going to say a lot of different things to different people in the room today. And so I really have a twofold challenge for you. Very simple. Listen to God and act on what you hear. That's very simple. Listen to God and And act on what you hear, because God always customizes the message to us as individuals. And in fact, I believe this is a critical key for God's hand to be upon your life, and you should really do this every single time you come to church. Listen to God, and then act on what you hear. Now, I'm sharing this message with you today not because the church wants your money. No, it's because I want you to be blessed so God's work will expand and grow because you are blessed paul mentioned this in the scriptures in philippians chapter 4 verse 17 paul says this when he was uh, receiving offerings he says not that i desire your gifts what i desire is that more be credited to your account now just a quick pause here if you're visiting here today this is not your church it's still god's word and it applies to you but your tithe belongs at your church not this church now, I have no problem saying that. I know a lot of other preachers are going to preach about tithing and giving. They're going to say, I don't care who you are. You've got to give it all to me. It's like, no, oh, it's not me. It's a, Your tithe belongs at your church. So I'm saying do not tithe to this local body. Uh, now I want us to go ahead and look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Let's look at the Scriptures. This is, so, As you you get that opened up there, get ready. We're going to dig through this for a few minutes. According to the Bible, um, where does the first part of your paycheck go? Visa. No, not Visa. (laughs) I know some people think Visa, and there's a temptation because... But the problem is that Visa does not have the power to bless your finances. Only God does. Okay, so here we we are. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Let's start off. God says this. This is God talking. I, the Lord, do not change you get that everything has to be read in context so we're looking at context here he declares i don't change now how clear can a scripture get basically he's saying god did not change and he's still saying this god and i'm saying this god did not change between the old testament and the new testament at all so god says this he said so you the descendants of jacob are not destroyed now that that's like where did that come from I actually kind of think this line is a little bit humorous. In other words, what he is saying here is, I haven't killed you because I'm actually a nice God. I was nice, I am nice, and I'm going to continue to be nice. That's what he's saying there, okay? Read it in the context. That is exactly what he's saying. Theologians, right? Okay, let's keep going. Now, he goes on to say, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees... And have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Now, I want you to remember that word decrees. In fact, I'm going to be pointing out some words to you. You may want to underline them. But I'm going to come back to these words here in just a moment. So, God is reminding his people again that he never changes and that he is good. But now he says there's a problem because generation upon generation keeps turning away from God's decrees. Okay, let's look back. God says this. But you ask, how are we to return? Now, this is actually good right here because this is a signal that God's people are actually dialoguing with him. And sure, they're not honoring God's decrees, but they've not shut him out. I mean, they're still going to church. They're still singing the songs. They're still listening to the the, the live stream when they can't be in church. They're still going to the partner's banquet, hint, hint. But, But now God is speaking and they are hearing, and they are replying. This is dialogue with God. So th- that's, that's actually good. So they're saying, basically, if we're supposed to return, how do we do that? So this is God's answer. And he answers it with a question. He said, Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? Now, please understand, no preacher made this up. <laughs> this is the God who cannot change, who's speaking to his people straight out, and he's saying, would you rob god would you steal from god and 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 the answer of course would be no i would i would never do that right I, mean, it was like, I, I would never do that that is that is crazy but god says to them you have robbed me now i want you to watch the very very normal response to the question because they're saying how did i rob you how did i steal from you okay keep reading now But you ask, how are we robbing you? Again, the dialogue's continuing. This is good. God says, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. That word curse is important. We'll come back to that. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, another important word, that there may be room in my house. Another important word, my house. And then he says, test me in this, that word test is important, and see what? If I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it, I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in the fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed so the the blessing on you will be obvious for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Okay, now, who is talking in this passage of Scripture? It's God, the God who cannot change and i also had you note a few words and i want us to go back and take a look at several of those words Uh, one of them is the storehouse he he uses the, the words the storehouse and my house and that refers to for the new testament that refers to the local church the storehouse is the place from which uh, you and others receive ministry. That's where you receive ministry. Even if you're watching via a live stream or a recorded video or a podcast, you're receiving ministry from the storehouse. My house refers to the place of worship. Wherever God's people get together, that becomes his house, all right? So, so God says, this is a decree that you have been Violating. Now, let's look at the word decree. What, is, what does decree mean? Decree means this, ordinances or principles of ordinary behavior. All right, I'm asking you to follow along with me. I want you to understand this terminology here so we don't rush through this. What God is saying to his people is he was telling them they have strayed away from some of the principles of ordinary behavior. In other words, it's ordinary for God's people to... Thank God for the, their income. I think that's, that's right. We should always thank God. Thank you, God, for our income. It's ordinary for God's people to recognize that God is still God and God is their provider even in a time of tax increases and inflation, right? Because they know, God's people know that God is the one who is really ultimately the provider. So God is the source and he desires and he deserves that acknowledgement. So we we acknowledge it. God, you're our provider. You're our source. You are the source. God owns everything anyway. Now, that is what is called an ordinance or or a decree or an ordinary ordinary principle. An ordinary principle. So God says, you've left my ordinary principles and you've gone away. So this is a very, very clear passage. So really, what it's saying here is... (laughs) ultimately, if I tithe, I am blessed. If I don't tithe, I am cursed. Now, I told you to look at that word curse because it says that you're cursed. God does not say he will curse you. God will not curse you. God says you are under a curse. So again, God doesn't want you to be cursed, but you have voluntarily placed yourself under a curse it's it, it's kind of like voluntarily running outside during a texas hailstorm. like yeah let's just have fun i mean even the animals know it's an ordinary principle when the hail falls you come in even if the dogs have never seen hail before they're not going to go out in it right right okay so even cats they're, they're even that smart <laughs> kind of but the this is this is cats they are, I don't know, I, I have issues with cats. We don't have cats, thank God for that. If y'all have cats, love you, but sometimes I think God messed up on little e- elements of, of when it comes to the creation. That, that's not in the scriptures, but that's my feeling, you know. All right, all right. Get, okay, get back to the Bible. That's what y'all are saying, all right. In other words, we live in a cursed world, and what God wants us to do is God wants us to redeem our finances out of that curse, but it takes our own cooperation. And the cooperation, according to God, is we give the first 10%. So the Bible uses this term quite often. We use it. You can see it in our apps, and our uh, offering envelopes. It has the word tithe, and it's actually the Lord's tithe. What does the word tithe mean? Tithe means a tenth. When I was a child, I thought my my parents or whoever was taking up the offering said it's time for your ties and offering. Like I didn't wear a tie, and I don't ever see anyone putting their tie in the offering. I couldn't figure that out. Finally, I learned that it was the tithes when my mom explained it to me. But but I want to tell you about a really a little conversation I had with God when I first started preaching this. Uh, And and I you know it's just this little conversation. God God, you know I'm a pastor and and. I've dedicated my life to helping people and to pointing people to Jesus and explaining your word and helping people to live by your word. And, and, uh, and I, I want to give people the ordinary principles of your word about family, about faith, about, you know, marriage and finances. And God, you know, I, I like the book of Malachi. It's the last book of the Old Testament. Fantastic book. It's, it's a really amazing book. But the book of Malachi, God, it's all about returning to God. In uh, in Malachi chapter 1, it's about returning to God in your faith. Malachi chapter 2 is about returning to God with your family. Malachi chapter 3 is returning to God with your uh, finances. Malachi chapter 4 is about then how God returns to us. And so, you know, God, 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 here I am trying to help people in this area, but Americans, we're just Americans, and we like to think our own way, and and I do get people who like to argue with me a lot about this, and, and I'm just trying to help them, but I know I'm going to get into, people are going to want to argue with me, and that's going to come with the territory, and God, I don't like it. It comes with the territory, I don't like it, so God, help me out with this, and then God, you put it on my heart to preach from probably the most famous passage in the scriptures about tithing, and whenever I preach from this passage, people are going to say, but you don't understand. That's in the Old Testament. I mean, that's how they kind of say it. And so I was like, God, I mean, couldn't you have waited to just put that over into the book of Matthew or something? I mean, it's like 15 verses later. It would have just been so easy to do that. But I I believe the Lord said, no, I have it right here where I want it to be. Why? It's all about trust. It's a really all about trust. And that's what tithing is. Tithing is a test. It's a test of your trust. And God even tells us to test him and see if he'll come through on his end. It's a test, really. Every time you get paid, it's a test. Um, are you, you going to believe that God's word is true or not? Do you believe that, that the 90% with God's blessing is going to go farther than the 100% Without God's blessing, it's a test of trust in God. Yet I also know, God, that people are going to say, yeah, but tithing is part of the Old Testament law, and I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. And and I, I hear that a lot, and, and the people, there are these, again, I call them, I call them J V youtubers and jv website builders that have their own ministries they submit to nobody but they're out on their own kind of doing their own thing and they write all these passages about this stuff and, and a lot of a lot of the stuff out there on the internet more and more is becoming just total nonsense uh about about our faith and about the scriptures but i i i don't understand that argument i'll just be honest with you so are you saying that it? Was if it was wrong, if something was wrong to do under the law, then now it's okay for us to do as believers? Like, thou shalt not kill. That was under the law. Do you think if we, if I leave here today and decide to go kill somebody, that there are not going to be any consequences for that? I mean, God will forgive me. Yeah. But will there be consequences? Of course. Of course. I mean, we are believers. Our sins can be forgiven, but there are consequences based upon how we live. And we have to understand this: is that tithing also existed way before the law and after the law. It's an ordinary principle of God's word. But if you are going to follow that line of reasoning, well, it was under the law, and now it's not. We're not under the law. Then, then I could just like say, you know, "Jake, Jake, not I." I love you, my friend, Jake. Uh, but I could tell you lies about Jake. I am going to tell a lie about Jake. I am just go ahead and say what I am going to say. But you didn't hear me that I was going to say a lie. Jake is really a robot all right, we have set up a charging station in his office. He comes in early, plugs himself in, and then he comes out, and, and you know, it's like, okay, you got to oil him up so he's not too, too rigid, and, and, and he, he goes on through the day, and it's, it's just wonderful. Now, I can lie about Jake and ask God to forgive me because thou shalt not lie is under the law, and I'm under grace. So you see how foolish that is? Let me give you another example, uh, Thomas. Good to see you in church today. Glad, glad you're here. Do you have your wallet on you? I just want to. You, you don't have one. Do you have your purse with you? Can you bring me your purse? Or, or just yeah, just yeah. There's just come on up. Bring your or or you could bring your wife's purse up here today. But I just want to show you something. Uh, it's it's going to be really, really simple and easy. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, and I got keys to a jeep here too. I know the Bible says, "Thou shalt not steal," but that's Old Testament. That's the law. And we're under grace. So I can steal and ask God to forgive me, and it's mine. Thank you very much. And I can't wait to ride in that new Jeep, all right? All right, here we go. I'll give it back. I'll give it back. Now, you see, again, you see how foolish that would be. You see how absolutely foolish that is. Is it okay for me to steal? No. No, absolutely not. So that's the mindset, and we need to break that mindset. So where where does tithing come from, the whole principle? Well, it comes from the Bible, And it actually comes from all of the Bible. Uh, I think a lot of people don't tithe because they, they believe that it's not biblical. And they think, well, there's only one scripture about it, and that's what the pastor just read. And so, well, I want to show you a few other scriptures. We're going to go through this very quickly, but this is for the intellectuals among us and for those of you who really want to have the full understanding of what the Bible really says. Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 you can just jot that down if you would like. I want to read to you this. It says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise to God Most High, who delivered thy enemies into your hand. Then verse 20, Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. That's some of you would see in your Bibles would say a tithe of everything. So Abraham gave a tithe of, 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 out of everything. And please understand, this is 500 years before the law. In fact, you can even go back to the time of, of Cain and Abel. Cain, uh, Cain did not give a tithe. Abel did. God accepted Abel's sacrifice, and he didn't accept Cain's offering. That's 2,500 years before the law. So this ordinary principle, it predates the law. Now, let's go to the time of Jacob, still before the law. Genesis 28, it says, Jesus, uh, Jacob says, This stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So the implication now is here that the tithe belongs to God's house, and this is 400 years before the law. Moses, he made it explicit. In Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, he then says the tithe is actually holy. So it's a really special thing. He says, the tithe of everything from the land, whether grain, soil, fruit from trees, it belongs to the Lord, and it is holy to the Lord. Jesus, you want to talk about him? He's in the the New Testament, okay? Jesus is in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, he says this. He says, Woe to you, you teachers of the law, and other than the preachers, you know, the preachers of the leaders. <laughs> Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth or a tithe of your spices, your dill and mint and cumin, wonderful spices, but you have neglected the most important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. Then he says, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. In other words, he's saying, you give tithes of everything, even the small stuff, but you're not being kind and merciful and administering justice to people. You're not being faithful to people, relationships. And Jesus is saying, come on, you foolish religious leaders. You know the truth. Do the important things, which is relationships and love, without neglecting the former, which was the tithing. Don't neglect your tithing. Keep, but you also need to make sure you're doing the basics. Now, Jesus did not say, Now, leaders, please know you do not need to do this anymore because that was the Old Testament. The Father and I have changed between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We used to be mean, but now we're nice. Again, <laughs> He didn't say that. Remember this. God does not change. And still he was nice, he is nice, and will, he will always be nice. I can't wait till heaven. about <laughs> nice. Whoa. So God says, he says this now to the people, to Malachi, in the, in, the, in the book of Malachi, he says, you're robbing me and you're under a curse. Now, I don't want us, I don't want me, I don't want you to be under a curse. I would like to be under the uh, open windows of heaven over my life, over our Community over our church, and I would love it for for the Lord to rebuke Satan from stealing from you. You mean the Lord rebukes Satan from stealing from you? Isn't that awesome? And and but that's up to you as to whether you're going to engage that or not. And uh, basically, the ball is in your court. Now, in Hebrews chapter number seven in the New Testament, it uh, the passage that we read in Genesis 14 just a minute, minute ago about Abraham tithing to Melchizedek again, this is New Testament, and it's this is where the word tithe is used, and it says that this our example in the New Testament is like kind of like we're we're like Abraham and Jesus is like Melchizedek. So just look at what it says, verse eight, uh, Hebrews 7:8 says, "In the one case, the tenth or the tithe is collected by people who die." but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. So I think this is absolutely what that's saying is, is I put my tithe or my tenth in the box at the giving station or uh, into the iPad or my phone or or the computer or put it into the basket and people that die collect it. That, those are the ushers they are going to die. And uh, well, you know, unless Jesus comes in the rapture, you know, the, we all know how that works, right? I talked about that on Timothy 12. i got to go over there. Right. But but it says that even though they collect it, Jesus is the one who receives the tithe, the one who is declared to be living. Now that's Hebrews, and that's the New Testament. So in other words, it's proof that Jesus is living (laughs) when I tithe, and God blesses me, and he protects my life, and it's proof that we live in a different economy. We live in God's economy, because in God's economy, God protects us, and he blesses us, and it is one of the ordinary principles of the Bible from beginning to end. So what is tithing? Well, tithing, I said a minute ago, is a test of your trust. Where does tithing come from? It comes from the Bible, all of it. But the next important principle, major principle, is how does tithing impact? And and this is important because tithing is a blessing. In uh, 2 Chronicles, There's a story of King Hezekiah, and they discover these scrolls, and the Bible. And, and so he began initiating a bunch of reforms, and, and he, he, he starts by doing something novel. They start by actually reading the Bible. I was like, okay, that's a good thing to do. Let's read the Bible. And as they were reading the Bible, he starts realizing that a lot of things that were happening in the land they were actually violations of what the Bible said. Uh, and, and also they were in a period of an economic recession. Things were not going good financially for the people and for the land. And so he reads this. He reads this. You're under a curse, the whole nation. And so he says, we're under a curse because we're not tithing. And he puts out the command to so that 10% of everything would be brought into the house of the Lord. And Famine was broken. The recession was over, and so and that's part of the beauty of it is is the tithe isn't something that we control. Uh, we don't tithe to projects or special causes. I don't tithe to special. I'm not going to tithe to the Cowtown Marathon because I think it's a good thing. No, I, I, the tithe goes to the local church, and that is something that we don't control. And it's all about trust. And the truth is, we've done this for years, and you know, Rebecca we'll forego a vacation, Um, we'll forego supporting a cause that someone is tugging on us to support, and uh, even if I forego going on like on a missions trip, if it means I have to suspend my tithing. So I'm not going to stop tithing. Why would I want to curse the 100% and be frustrated and confused? Because God blesses the 90% when I tithe first. I get to live on the rest. For me, one of the things that I do, I thank God for modern technology, I tithe recurring so that every week a portion comes out and, and goes, goes right in, go, the, so the tithe is taken out immediately so when I'm at City Life, now it's time for the offering. I She's like, I'm going to give an extra offering or gift for this or that or whatever. And that's very liberating for me. Now, I want to share with you, we do have a stewardship philosophy. And the stewardship philosophy is important. I call it City Life's stewardship philosophy. Every once in a while, I like to share this with you guys. This is important to me, very important to me. Um, and this is how we handle finances within the organization. Very simply, number one is we have a budget of income and expenses. You should have that for your house, but we have it for the church also. We have a budget, so there's a plan. So we project what the income will be, project what the expenses will be, and what and and, and we choose to live by that budget, even if it's frustrating, even if it doesn't like all line up the way we want it to. And it often means that as a church, we can't participate in some really, really good causes because we have a budget. It's called biblical financial stewardship. The second principle that we have for our our church stewardship philosophy is this, is we will challenge to give scripturally, but we will never manipulate. I don't like manipulation. I don't know what you feel about that, but I don't like it when I feel manipulated. Uh, I know you don't either. That's why... Here, I've had some people say, "Well, let's just do a money back guarantee," and it's like that's just—I mean, that sounds like Kmart or Walmart or something like. And no, I mean, we're not going to do—we're not going to do money back guarantees. We're not going to threaten. We're not going to intimidate. We're not going to—and we're not going to post the names of the tithers up in the walls so that we can celebrate those and then shame those. Like, no, that's all manipulative. I don't like manipulation, and I hope you—I know you would agree with that. By not manipulating uh, and just encouraging people to give scripturally, it's clean and it's simple. And number three, third financial stewardship principle of our church is this: is to be a giver personally and corporately. In fact, a person cannot even be an elder in our church unless they have proven that they're they're giving personally and that we also give corporately as well. Uh, I'm a giver. I do not control my own tithe, so I tithe with no conditions attached. When there's extra giving, I, I love it. I'm able to give to special products or heart for the house or give to individual needs and, and, and bless people or situations however. Uh, and when I feel prompted, I give in just an extra offering to the church. I just feel like I want to just give an offering. And I put an amount in there and I punch it in and boom, it's gone. But as uh, as the church institutionally, you know, that's what I do, but the church as, a, as an organization we actually do the same thing. We give according to the budget, but we also do it according to the scriptures. So as a church, what we do is we plant seed, knowing that that planting of seed is going to produce a harvest. Uh, those who planted seeds through their tithes and their offerings to see this building purchased and to see it gutted and renovated, they sacrificed a lot. They really did. And, and they did it so that you and your guests and your family can worship freely because again we will never charge a person to come to church isn't that awesome so that's so people can worship freely and enjoy it and there's harvest today people gave their lives in this room today because other people sowed seed back there there's harvest today And still, at this point, we—oh, I I looked at the number uh, this week. We we still owe on this building $523,505 and 24 cents on this building. But see, as you continue to give, we continue to pay that down. And it's like seed for the people who are going to be sitting in these seats next week. But if we don't give, there is no harvest to look forward to. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4 from the Message Version says this. I love it. It says, A farmer too lazy to plant in the spring has nothing to harvest in the fall. I don't want that to be us I want you to plant seed and I know this church will plant seed knowing that that, uh, a harvest is awaiting and and so what is planted in the offerings that we give today it's going to produce a harvest in the future I want to show you one more scripture on this Paul says it this way and he says it this way in Galatians chapter 6 and this is from the message version I just like how it's 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 just it's just written really well It's, it's colorful it says don't be misled no one makes a fool of God what a person plants, he will harvest. And he, that makes sense. A person who plants selfishness, ignoring the weeds of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. And he'll, ha- and he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's Spirit do the work in him, harvests a crop of life, real life, eternal life. I love that. Now, I, I will point out one person in this room. <clears throat> It's not Jake the Robot, but uh, but I, I do want to just call out Jack. Jack, would you just please stand at the back here? And I call him out from time to time for, for express purpose, because sometimes people don't know about Jack. Jack has always been one of our most consistent tithers. I'll also say this. Jack does give more than many people who, who attend this church regularly. He does. Um, Jack, you can have a seat. Jack does not have a secret stash of cash. <laughs> I know you don't. Yet God brings him miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Oh, Jack, I was just this last week. I ran into you at QT. You remember that? And Jack, he had some coins. and He was buying him one piece of bubble gum. I said, Jack, have you had lunch yet today? I said, no, I'm faster, but I'm all right. He always acts like he's all right. I said, but yeah, this is QT. And man, they got kitchens in QTs now. It's almost a scaled-down version of Bucky's. Almost, not quite. Let's go get some food. Load up on some food. Get you some drinks. Get you some good stuff. It was interesting because at the same time, while we were in the QT, the QT... Employees were running out someone else who was homeless, who was stealing from them. They were dealing with them. And I said, Hey, please understand, yeah, you now that guy may be a problem, but this guy isn't. He's never going to be a problem in this store. And they said, Yeah, we recognize him. He comes in here we, we like him. And I'm thinking, That's because God's hand is on his life and the glory of God is on him. But we, we, we adopted, this church adopted Jack off the streets. We put two people in prison who had been uh, harming him. We have dealt with many situations with him to love him and help him. Today, Jack has, because of this ministry, Jack has a roof over his head, Jack has a refrigerator and it's full of food, Jack has uh, a microwave, Jack has a bathroom, Jack has a bed, Jack has a nice little kitchen you can use, and it's it's awesome. We supply Jack with monthly bus passes. Meals and a whole lot of other things that others just don't see. Now, please understand, Jack was taken off the streets, and there is no place for Jack to go. We are his family. We are his family. Now, his standard of living is way up here compared to others who are on the streets. It really is. And and I, like why? Why? Well, there are a few reasons. Again, God's hand is on him. He's, he's serving God. He's also a tither He's giving all the time And another thing about Jack is Is that uh, Jack has attached himself To a church, a generous church Who's going to come and make sure he's okay And take care of him See, things like this happen Because of your giving And many of the things that happen We don't even put it out there Because there's a lot of We don't want to violate confidentiality at all but I think the biggest thing is God is honoring his trust and his faith in God. Due to the consistency of His him serving God, and the consistency in his giving, he is, reach, he is reaping a harvest. Now I want to show something to you, and I'm not going to make you do anything weird. I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something right now. Uh, right in front of you is, is an offering envelope. If you're sitting on the front row, there's one just right on the seat in front of you. I want you to grab, everyone, of you grab one of those offering envelopes in a pen, here's what I'm going to have you do. Don't get nervous. It's going to be all right. Really simple. If you agree with this, if you agree with the principles that I'm saying, I'm just asking you to do one thing: write your first and last name on that, and just write the two words "I'm in." I'm in. Just your first and last name, and I'm in. That's all. If you want to give, that you know, that's if you give it with that envelope. That's up to you. But I want you to write "I'm in," and then we're going to turn these in in a few uh few minutes whether there's an offering in there or not i want you everybody to turn it in i know many of you have already given you've given through the app you've given online recurring giving some of you gave in the foyer prior to the service but i'm asking you to hold that envelope and uh and then we'll we'll be receiving it here in just a few moments but uh and before i have jake come up here i want to pray for you and i want to pray over your finances receive this prayer we're not quite finished with the service yet but I want you to receive this prayer Lord I just pray for the blessing of God to rest upon every single individual God help us if nothing else help us to take our cues from Jack who once was desperately lost on the streets he's been rescued and he's being taken care of and he's being loved and has a family and he has food and he has health Help us to take our cues from your word so that we will, like your scripture said, just be blessed. We'll be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.